Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. Hi there, ladies and gents. Frank Flake here, your host for this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast. On the podcast, we talk a lot about how to market for properties, how to communicate effectively with vendors, how to value properties, how to progress through sales, how to finance those investments how to monetize those investments in terms of the best strategies to use to maximize leverage, to maximize profitability. But what we don't talk a lot about is the practicalities of managing a portfolio. And so in this episode, I'm just going to share some tips and hints and strategies that I've used and continue to use in many cases. Um, and sometimes, in, and in preparing for this podcast, I've realized I don't do them anymore, some of these, and they work really well and I need to do them again. So I'm going to run you through how to maximize your peace of mind, your control over your portfolio, and also your profitability. The first thing is to always act. So this is post-completion or perhaps you're letting the property before you've bought it, which is, I'm doing that on um, on two deals at the moment actually, where I, under a key undertaking, I'm letting the property before I own it. So I'm getting, I generally will split the rent 50-50 with the vendor. Um, so I'm getting 50% of the rent before I've even bought the property, which is an infinite return on investment, which is fantastic. I've just done one actually, where the net rent, tenant paid upfront for six months, and the net rent I received was £3,860 plus some pence. That was after the letting agent's fees, it was after gas safety certificate, EICR, everything. And I split that 50 50 with the vendor and so I received £1,900 before I've even bought the property and the vendor got the same. I've, I've just in fact just today paid that to the uh, the vendor and they're over the moon because they've got nearly £2,000 more for the property than they would have otherwise got. Now to be fair I will have bought the property before the end of the six months but I just thought that was a nice extra to give them half of the rent. I expected it to be a couple of months so they probably would have only got a thousand pounds. No less than that actually. They probably would have only got a few hundred pounds but all good. All good. I'm already getting a good deal so I can give them a good deal and they're over the moon because now they've got £1,900 more for their property. Maybe 85 90% of the time you're going to tenant the property after you've bought it because of course most of our vendors, not all and increasingly it's landlords, but most of our vendors are owner-occupiers so you can't rent the property while they're still in it. Although you can market the property, do viewings and then move the tenants in after the uh, vendors have vacated at completion. But most of the time it's going to be letting the property after completion. So you've completed on the property, what do you do next? Well you need to decide are you using a letting agent or are you letting it yourself? My recommendation is the first few you use a letting agent so you understand what they're doing and then you let the next few yourself so that you understand the job and you understand how hard it is and how easy it is and how to do it well and then you decide are you going to rent are you going to be the letting agent on all of your ones or are you going to outsource all of yours and then you move them to I recommend three letting agents um, so that you have some redundancy and keeps them on their toes etc 
that that's my general advice it has changed over the years but that's my general advice regardless of whether you are the letting agent or you employ a letting agent your back office systems need to be the same and the reason for that is that most letting agents are not very good and forgive me if you're a letting agent and um, perhaps you're the exception but I think I'm on now my 16th letting agent might even be on my 17th which is amazing because I've only been a landlord for 16 17 years that's one a year the most important thing to remember is that no one cares about your property as much as you do if it falls into a state of disrepair the letting agent doesn't care because you have to pay to bring it back up to spec if it rents for 10% less than market rent, the letting agent doesn't care because they get 90% of their fee, but you might be getting half of your profit because that last 10% probably will be all profit. And so it is a huge error to assume that the letting agent and your interests are aligned. They're not. So you have to protect your interests. They're going to look after their interests. You have to protect your interests. And the way to do that is to act as though you're the letting agent and just leverage your time through them. So you want to, for example, have a copy of all application paperwork in your files. So you need a a filing cabinet and you need a, a suspension file for every property. My suggestion is you hold photocopies of the tenant's passports, photocopies of the uh, tenant's application, references, credit check, everything on your file. And you might think, oh, this is a bit over the top of the letting agent's done it, Frank, or I don't really care. But here's the thing. If the tenant stops paying rent, damages the property and runs away, you're going to need to know that information in order to pursue them. Equally, if you look to sell the property with the tenant in situ, the other side's conveyances are going to ask you for this information. If you are looking to refinance the property, you may well be asked this information by your lender's solicitors. And so it's really, really important to have all of this on file. You also want copies of all of the move-in paperwork. So you need the checklist that lists EICR, gas safety certificate, EPC, how to rent guide, uh, tenancy deposit information, GDPR statement, everything. Uh, You need that checklist signed by the tenant in your files. You need a copy of the AST signed by the tenant in your files. You need a a set of keys for the property. The number of landlords that don't have keys for their properties is, is crazy. So you need to hold a set of keys uh, quick tip there never have the address of the keys on the keys because if someone breaks into your house they can just pick up all the keys and have access to your entire portfolio so the easiest way that i've found of doing keys especially if you grow a portfolio is to have a keyboard so um that's just a, a bit of um mdf or osb and you screw hooks into it at regular intervals and you number the hooks so one two three four five six and then what i do is i have a little code so if it's 12 acacia avenue the on the key fob it would be 12 one two a a and if it was um 57 bridge street it would be five seven bs 
Um, and the reason for that is if you give a set of keys or multiple sets of keys to your workmen or indeed if you take them out with you and then you drop them or, or something, you don't know which keys are for which property. Equally, if you have a completely random code like, you know, 138B and 172X, when you're out and you've got five sets of keys in your pocket and you pull them out and you're outside a house and you've got a workman waiting to get in or a letting agent, that's not massively helpful. So I do that because if someone picks up all those keys, that 12AA isn't going to tell a potential burglar what the property is. So a little tip for you there. The other reason I number the keyboard is because today... I'm, and I do them in alphabetical order. So if it's Arcacia Avenue, that's going to be probably the first one, number one. And then Bridge Street might be, you know, there might be a Arthur Street and then there might be a Bridge Street would be number three. But then if I buy another A property, so I buy a another property on Arcacia Avenue, that becomes number two. So now Bridge Street moves to number four. So it stays in alphabetical order because you never know <laughs> what the addresses of the properties you're going to buy are. And you don't know how many properties you're going to buy either. So that is my tip for how to store the keys. So you can then just go through them. Bridge Street. So there's all the B's, there's all the S's, etc. You also can have an index. Make sure the index isn't hanging on the wall next to the uh, keyboard because then the burglar can pick up the index along with the key so have that somewhere non-obvious not obvious nearby okay so that's the keyboard the other thing that i file for rented properties is a floor plan of the property um now you might think why do you need a floor plan of the property it's really really helpful if you're making a license application they they require floor plans and you might think well it's a family let two bedroom terrace property it doesn't need a license but it might need a license later because your local authority might apply for selective licensing and it might be granted and then all of a sudden you have to apply for licenses by the way licenses are just an overhead of being a ten uh, being a landlord in that locality and so they they like to say oh it's only you know 20p a day or whatever it ends up being but it's a thousand pounds or eight hundred pounds or or however much it is every five years typically so that does just work out as x amount per month and the way that i look at that is i want to do all of it i, I want to pay as little as possible so if it costs me four pound a week that's just like a tax right a licensing tax and 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 people get all wound up about it but in in some of my properties i've paid that money and they've never um i've now paid it twice on some of my properties so over five years and the council have never even been out to the property so yeah it's uh it, it i view it as just an overhead and necessary uh cost of being a landlord and of course it just has pushed up rents more so it doesn't really matter so the tenants end up paying for it because we're all business people at the end of the day and our our cost of doing business in in this sector has just gone up if it's just four pounds a week i think that's what we just said it was 200 yes four pounds a week then i want to pay as few weeks as possible so if they open a scheme in september and payment needs to be made by the 31st of December, I want to be making my payment on the 31st of December because now, even if the scheme starts in December, I've had my money, that thousand pounds times multiple properties in my bank account earning me a return because obviously I want to be investing and I want to be earning a 50 to 100% return on my money 
per annum. So I want that money working for me until the last possible moment. Similarly to tax, you want to pay your taxes as late as possible within the rules that are, are created by HMRC. The other thing, though, is often you're allowed to not apply for a, 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 a license if you are selling the property or if the property is for sale. And you have to notify the council of this, so the licensing authority. But I have previously put properties on the market. And of course, you can just put them on Zoopla or Rightmove, etc. You don't have to put, there's no rule to say, well, it only counts if you put a board outside. Um, so I've done that previously. It doesn't say what price you have to put the properties on the market at. So you could pick a, uh, a high price to put the market on the property on the market at. And then you notify the council to say, just let you know, I've not applied for a mark, um, you know, on the 30th of December, you let the council know and say, look, just let you know, um, the property's on the market. So I've not applied for a, a license as, as it's on the market, as per your condition. And it's always a condition in there on all the ones that I've seen. And they write back to say, okay, we, we've granted you a, an extension of, of three months. And you might think, well, what's the point? You still have to pay a thousand pounds. But the point is you've saved yourself 12 times four. So you've saved yourself um, 48 pounds. Well, do that across a hundred plus properties. That's 4,000 pounds. It's not small money. So it's all about incremental profits or marginal gains as as the sky team would uh, would say with ah who was it from um brailsford so when the sky team set themselves the goal of winning the tour de france that was within five years that was a unbelievably hard task and of course bradley wiggins did it and then I think did it three times from memory. Well, the Sky team did it three times. And what they talked about was the incremental gains. And for me, that's what this game is about. The game of property investing, and I do view it as a game, is where can we squeeze more juice out of our uh, of our investments? And I'm going to come on to that a bit more in a minute. If you can pay for your license, well, we're now six months later than the person who paid in September, then you've got six months for free, haven't you? Six months where legally you haven't had to pay that. So little tip for you might not suit your strategy and that's fine. You can pay in September, you can pay in December, or you could put the property on the market, takes five minutes and pay in March, completely up to you. The other thing that I do is I have a little form that has on it the important locations of everything in the property. So where's the stopcock? Where's the boiler? Where's the circuit board? Where's the gas meter? Where's the electric meter? And I also have a sketch of the property in relation to neighboring properties. So like where's the road? Where's the front garden? if it's attached, if it's terraced, where's the corridor or the alleyway to get to the bins at the back? Where's the back gate? Just just a sketch. And of course, you'll have a condition report from the move-in. So you'll have an inventory. So that needs to go in your file as well. And the reason for this, if anyone ever contacts you about the property, now, you probably won't think to do this when you've got two or three or four or five properties because you can just remember them all. But when you've got 104 or 105 properties, you're not going to be able to remember them all but equally nipping out to remind yourself about the layout of a property is not 
time efficient. That's not good leverage when you've got a hundred of them because, well, I know I can only get round about 15 properties a day. And that's if I do a full day. So when we're buying a portfolio, we know that if it's a 40 property portfolio, it's going to take us three days to get around it. And that that's a lot. That's a lot of time that's just flushed down the pan. So really, when you go out to the property, once you've bought it, you want to go out once and get all of this information and never have to go again. Um, never have to go again if you manage it, never have to go again if you use a letting agent to manage it, never have to go again if you have a license um, on it, never have to go again if you lose tenants and put new tenants in, never have to go again if you sell it. Really, really important for your time leverage. And so having a sketch of the outside of the property, having a floor plan of the inside, and then having an inventory that shows you the different rooms, a video, by the way, of the whole, now, I've not done video tours, but of the whole property would also be really, really good. Photo of the front of the property really helps just to recognize the, the condition of the windows and the front door, etc. Because remember, letting agents are really good at spending your money. They're not good at saving you money, really poor at saving you money in my experience. And the main reason is they want their workmen to do loads of work because they generally will get a percentage of what their workmen charge you back as a fee and so it's in their interest to spend loads of your money um for two reasons one not only does it not cost them anything so if you spend 10 grand on a property the rent's probably going to go up well now they earn more fees so they want you to spend the 10 grand on the property but not only that but they could easily be getting a 10 percent kickback which is a thousand pound income which on a thousand pound a month property is 10 months of income so really important to realize your interests are not aligned with your your letting agents you're listening to the sophisticated property investing podcast with frank fleck if you enjoy this content why not follow frank's tiktok where you'll get loads of bite-sized investing tips just search tiktok for frank fleck that's frank f-l-e double g the other reason for having the floor plan and the layout of the property in relation to other properties is to spot the opportunity to add layers of icing to the property. Now, people don't do this enough and it's because traditional investors are very single-minded in their approach. But if, for example, it has a garage, there is no reason to let the garage with the property. Often a garage won't add a lot of value to the property. It might do. But often you can let a garage, depending on the part of the country, for 50 to 200 pounds a month. Well, and and obviously in, in London, it can be even higher than that. But that could be really, really valuable, as could a parking space on the drive. Now, it depends on the part, part of the country. But if your house is really close to a train station, you could easily rent that parking space to someone who drives to the train station every day for work. And... You're only going to know this if you have a plan of the property and if you're thinking about this in advance. And 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 you might think, well, how do I rent my car parking space? Well, for starters, you make sure the garage or the car parking space is not included in the tenancy. So you make that really clear in the tenancy because once you've let the property, you can't then take it away. Take Say, oh, by the way, you know you get the drive. I'm taking half the drive off you or you know you got all your stuff in the garage. I want you to take that out. I'm going to keep the rent the same, but it has to be positioned up front. So that's the first thing. Um, and, and you might think, how do I rent my property? How do I rent, you know, a car parking space on the drive? Well, 
I'd put a sign on the drive saying rent this space 50 quid a month have permanent access to this parking space or rent this parking space 24 7 for a month only 50 quid something like that now there are actually websites that will do this for you so i think it's like rent your drive uh, or something similar and if you live close to a venue then you could do that i've used that app uh, near wembley so i wanted to drive down to wembley for an event and i parked on someone's drive and i think it was like 20 quid for one evening um so if you're in a really opportune area then that could work really well and you might not have thought of this yet but if you own 100 houses some of them will have these layers of icing that you won't have thought of another one that i've seen used really effectively i've never had a property that does it that that suited it is advertising on the side of the house uh, or on the front of the house now front of the house you might need planning permission but that's not the end of the world but putting a big um, electric screen or traditional hoarding on the side of the of the house um, similar to what they have on billboards like putting a big billboard on the side of the house or in the front garden or the back garden depends on the orientation if your house is near a big roundabout or near a big traffic set of lights or a big junction then people will pay really good money for that now all you have to do is have the billboard installed and then you put the first advert up saying advertise here from only x amount a month and then wait for people to phone you and then you put their advert up and you swap it every six months or something and again that could be depending on the location that could be a thousand pound a month it could be 500 quid a month it could be more um which it could even be more than the rent, believe it or not, in some areas if, if you have a really well-positioned property. And when you're offering on the property, bear these layers of icing in, in mind. Really, really, it's just free money. It's just free profit on your rent. And again, if you tell the tenants up front, just let you know we have a billboard on the side of the house. Don't worry. Just, you know, once a quarter, a guy's going to come along and he's going to swap it out but he brings his own ladder he might need to come into the back garden but don't worry he's you know got a key for the garden or whatever really really uh simple business that could bring in the same amount as the rent again the other thing to consider is the more traditional layers of icing which is large back gardens large side gardens in terms of development opportunity and title splitting outbuildings that can be converted the opportunity to subdivide the actual property itself into horizontal flats vertical flats to go up into the loft and, and extend the property and to extend it backwards and sideways remembering that you can extend four meters back under permitted development on the sing on the first floor so on the ground floor rather no planning um, permission required just under permitted development so you putting a prior notification uh, to the council and they basically can't say no and then to the side of the property you can extend the entire height of the property up to 50 percent of the width of the property so it's very conceivable you could get a new dwelling on the, or a uh, uh, the equivalent of a new dwelling on the side um, now to split it in two into two dwellings would cost more uh, would require planning permission 
but what um, you can do is you can build it and perhaps let that as a um, as a HMO etc and then you can apply for planning permission to separate it off as a separate dwelling so you put it, a bathroom in it and a kitchen and that can be a nice you know if you've got a wide four bedroom house detached you can extend by 50% to the side and four meters to the rear and easily create a two bedroom semi on the side of the four bedroom house and so those layers of icing are really really valuable really really valuable always look out for ransom strips always look out for so a ransom strip is where you own a bit of land that's very valuable to someone else so let's say there's a field to the rear that you think would make really good planning permission um, potential for perhaps 20 or 30 or 100 houses um, you can then if you've got you know 10 meter wide strip down the side of your house and that take that gives access to the field you could then contact that field owner and say look i've got this piece of land here i think it gives great access to your field um would you be interested in joint venture where we apply for planning together split the cost and then um you know i give access to the field using um uh, my strip of land and we come to some kind of agreement on that or maybe you pay the cost of the um uh, application and then you come to an agreement on the uh, on the development that would be a really nice layer of icing but it's only possible if you keep that strip of land clear of the tenancy or and by the way these layers of icing you can hang on to so if you sell the property later just ten and uh, just title split the land off so you retain that ransom strip or that development plot to the side or the rear of the property and that's really important if you're refinancing so what you don't want to do is refinance an entire title so the entire plot if you're trying to get pl planning permission on the side to build uh, a, a new dwelling because then your existing mortgage is on that is over that plot what you can do is title split and then refinance the part of the plot you don't have to put a fence in or anything like that in fact it's better if you don't because the value is going to come out and probably just value the whole plot not realizing he shouldn't be valuing the the, the strip to the side or the the, the the chunk of garden at the back but then what you can do is you can refinance that building plot and get development finance on it because there's no first charge on it the first charge is on the building and the the slice of the plot so all of this guys requires forethought and you want to be putting this thought in when you first go out to the property and then recording it all photographs sketches plans etc um floor layout so that in three years time when you get planning permission or in two years time when such and such happens you can remember it all and it, it's as simple as there's water coming in where's the water coming in it's coming into the lounge and you can have a quick look at your plan and go well the lounge is under the bathroom so have you checked like that we've not got a leak under the bath have you taken the bath panel out and had a look have you checked that the shower tray's not got a crack in it? Like questions like that you can't ask of plumbers or letting agents or tenants if you don't know that the bathroom's above the lounge. And similarly, if there's a leak in the kitchen and you look and uh, your floor plan and you can see that the boiler's above the kitchen, you might say, have you checked the boiler to check there's not a leak under the boiler? Just go and check the carpet's not wet in the air and cupboard. Like those are things that um, you can only do if you know where the boiler is and you know where the kitchen is in relation to one another. The other thing is knowing that there's a back boiler 
in the property loads of tenants will say there's no boiler i can't find the boiler well forgive me but when you're buying your hundredth property you probably don't remember where all your boilers are and so that's really useful to know where the boiler is and if it's a back boiler loads of letting agents and tenants won't realize that a gas fire can have the boiler for the house behind it um, but they'll spend ages walking around looking for it so all of those are layers of icing but all of this should be in your file the address for the property loads of people don't keep the address for the property in, in like readily available um the mortgage details so your mortgage application your um cost of purchasing needs to go in there so what did you pay for it where's the completion statement did you pay any other fees so did you pay for chancel insurance did you pay to get a rick surveyor to do a home buyer's report on the property all of those purchase costs what did you pay on stamp duty for example all of those costs of acquisition need to go in the file because when you come to sell it in 15 years time or 20 years time you can deduct all of those from capital gains but only if you can prove only if you knew what they were and can prove what they were the number of people that don't deduct their purchase costs from capital gains is astronomical but it's because when they come to sell they can remember what they paid because that's on land registry they can't remember what the costs were so they end up paying you know capital gains tax on property gains for a higher rate taxpayer a 28 percent but the only person who can know how much you have spent in the acquisition of a property is you and if you don't have that recorded then you're just going to pay over the odds in tax because the way our tax system works is you can deduct whatever you think you're allowed to deduct until you're challenged and then you have to prove it so the way to remain safe and bulletproof and not to endure the wrath of hmrc is to make sure you only claim what you can evidence and so you need to have all of those receipts in a file ready to produce when you sell the property and of course you never know when you're going to sell the property so really important to hang on to that the other thing is if you are improving a property you can't put the costs of those improvements they're called capital improvements i think that's the phrase so they are capital expenses you can't put those against your rental income so if you spend a hundred thousand pounds extending a property that hundred thousand pounds can't go against the rent it'd be lovely if you could if you could have you know years and years of tax-free income from the property but that's not how it works that hundred thousand pound needs to be offset against capital gain in the property and that's really really important that you therefore hang on to all of your receipts from any building works you do any improvements that you do etc and obviously if you take out a kitchen and put in a new kitchen well that is not a capital expense that's just maintaining the property it's a cost of letting the property that can be offset against your rent but if you extend the property by eight meters backwards and two stories high then obviously you're improving the property and that's a capital expense so you need to re retain all of those records i feel like i'm a an advocate for administration today but you get the idea guys this is about efficiency it's about efficiency with tax it's about efficiency with your time so only going out to property once you can spend 10 minutes filing and save yourself four hours in driving and spending time at a property perhaps multiple times by following the tips in this episode and so i hope in the course of this episode i've given you some or lots of strategies that you can now implement into your own 
management strategy, whether you've got two properties, whether you've got one property, whether you've got 102 properties, it really doesn't matter. It's all about systemization because at the end of the day, property is really, really lucrative over the medium to long term, incredibly lucrative. But in the short term, it's quite tight margins, especially with all the red tape and tax burden, etc. We now carry as landlords an administrative burden as well. And so we've got to be systemized in order to make the most of the cash flow that's available now we need to be really systemized and really efficient i hope you've enjoyed this episode guys i hope it's given you value until next time happy investing sophisticated property investing make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now 